another episode of Narrative Podcast. Today I am joined by our lovely usual host, now guest, Tess Manhattan. Hello, Romy. <laughs> so I just want to say, first of all, how like personally excited I am to be in your role because I think that the Narrative Podcast, it, the guests who have come on have spanned, like, you really have created a narrative. Like, the like people from Chris Martin, um, Josh Smith, Tibby, um, Sophie, etc. Like, like, these are people that you have categorized under an umbrella and, like, that scene exists, but it's more or less defined because of you. Um, so with that said... Where does your narrative begin? Wow, what a great intro. Um, I would say my narrative begins growing up in New York City, growing up in Manhattan, being exposed to a lot of art, and um, just being in the city, being interested in people and stories. I listened to a lot of radio when I was a kid. Um, I'd listened to radio pretty much from like the moment I woke up to when I went to sleep. I always loved audiobooks, storytelling. I had these audiobook tapes that I'd listen to on repeat as a kid, like Chronicles of Narnia. <laughs> I had The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn when I was eight, <laughs> which is a very weird book for an eight-year-old to have the unabridged audiobook for, but I listened to it like 10 times. And I've just always been obsessed, and I was really into Greek mythology. So I feel like a lot of my interest in storytelling came then, and then when YouTube came out, I got really into it. And always wanted to be a YouTuber and now here we are. Hmm. Well, before you were uh, before you were a YouTuber, you were I mean, am I correct in saying that you were posting on Instagram before you were posting on YouTube, correct? Yeah, I would say I was always posting on YouTube. Like I started posting on YouTube when I was like 12 and oh, I shit. did um I was making animations <laughs> and then I made some food review videos in high school and in college I had a YouTube persona called guinea pig pop star <laughs> where um, me and my friends were like trying to be like artist YouTubers and then my Instagram account that kind of blew up was is the real 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 which I started in 2020 it kind of took off and I had been like wanting to take off on social media for a while but I think separating it from my lived experience really helped in developing a character or like, I was anonymous on The Real We're Real for a long time. But once I started building my character myself, I kind of created Tess Manhattan, which is, like, me, but also not me. Mm. So, I guess, like, I mean, I didn't know you were making YouTube videos before, which is trippy to, to know now. Because I feel like, yeah, through everything, like, you are kind of, like, a world builder. Like, you were building a character for yourself. You're building your scene. You're building, like, like the like on your various platforms, like you are creating a, a character for yourself. So how real is the real, real, real? <laughs> um, I would say it's like 80% real. I would say it is, I would say it's um, like, I don't make anything up about my life. I would say it's just, mm. it's like a highlight reel. It's social media. So I only show the positive moments mm. um, or I try to and, I don't show a lot of, I guess, like my inner, like it's, it's kind of like the outside world, but also like the aestheticized world that I want to portray. Um, and I've been learning more about what I want to do as Tess Manhattan, the character. Mm. And it correlates to my regular life. Cause obviously I have to go live it every day, but I think Tess Manhattan is more, um, confident than I am she's more <laughs> <laughs> she's like she's like a cheerleader and I think mm. I can be that but I think there's also like a side of me that's like depressed and anxious and that doesn't go online <laughs> as much Valid. I mean I think ideally yeah you want to show the best parts of yeah. yourself to the world um where do you source or yeah I guess you're still kind of doing that like where do you source images from for the real 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 so I started off the Real 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 as really like an archive account for images I saw on online shopping sites like um, eBay, AliExpress, Poshmark. And so that's where at Craigslist, I was sourcing a mm. lot of early images from Craigslist, really places on the internet where there's time sensitive posts that the images will disappear. So it's really the page is kind of like a memorial mm. to the internet and like a 
kind of like a chapel <laughs> or like <laughs> a graveyard or something of images. Um, but other images come from like Getty images, Google searches, Facebook, Flickr, mm. um, really anywhere you can find images. Um, I've been using a lot of Chinese social media apps recently, like Little Red Book and there's a few other ones. WeChat has good images. Um, but yeah, just anywhere you can find images. Mm. I was I actually in my notes. I said that your posts kind of feel like 21st century Renaissance paintings and that they like they, they almost feel like AI generated, <laughs> but they're like also s like still real. I feel like there's like an aspect of like both defamiliarization and nostalgia that's central to your page. Because when I see like photos of like the Olsen twins being slimed or just like, I don't know, like like celebrities um in these like surreal environments like i like it's like it's shit posty but it's like also like it's like i feel like you're the real real, real is a museum of like like shit post ready maids like like <laughs> <I> um <laughs> like kylie jenner's like body in 2016 like we now see is like so alien um and like we accepted it as normal at the time. So, like, when you, when you like, see back, like, those photos, um, I don't know. Yeah, there's, like, something so, like, like, you see it for what it really is. Is that, like, your intention with that? Yeah, I think for a while I was posting these, like, separated posts where I'd be, like, Kim Kardashian at the Met Gala, like, her first appearance, and that would be, like, a whole post. But then the way I really think about the images is all at once, you know, like I think that's where the mythology comes in where you can kind of build this narrative or this story about our times by putting a picture of like Kylie Jenner in 2016 next to um, like Amanda Bynes in 2016 or like an ancient Mesopotamian temple next to like, I don't know, a prime bottle. Like there's these kinds of connections you can build and they really have to do with symbols and kind of eternal messages that have existed in like an eternal search for a higher power. And what guides you in, in determining like what connections are meaningful? Hmm. Um, I think just like my gut instinct, <laughs> just like I'll see something and I'll be like, oh, that image looks like really cool next to that image. <laughs> and I will usually I'll pick the images I want to post like I'll go through right now the way I'm posting is I archived a lot of my post about a year ago and now I just repost a lot of my archived images so mm. I downloaded my data from Instagram and I have it on my computer and I'll just go through the folders and just choose images that like 10 images I like and then just find an order where I feel like it's like this then this then this then this like it reveals kind of like a it, there's some kind of anticipation that's built and then I just really go off of what I think looks good and feels good and what I think will do well online. And I feel like you've consistently had your finger on the pulse. So <laughs> like, is that, is your gut instinct also like what tells you what will do well online or how much research goes into that? Um, I think that it's a mix. Like I think that Instagram is like, unfortunately a really difficult platform to do well on right now. Um, which is only because they like, they suck. Like, it's their fault. <laughs> it's not the users. <laughs> uh. But um, I think that usually posts that do well on Instagram usually have a person in them. They're high quality. Um, I think that there has to be like a clickable aspect to it. That's why I post a lot of celebrity things because I think it draws people in. Like I will usually put a celebrity as like a first image on a post because I know it has a better chance of doing well. You group together interesting people. I was looking at we can pull it up later, but at the the Little Miss Black Pill, I believe, um, zine, and I you put together Jake Paul, Logan Paul, and Andy Warhol and Greg Paul, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I really like I something I admire about you is your ability to group these people who seem like they have nothing to do with each other, but actually have that when when you when you lay it out out like that have so much to do with each other. Um, and yeah, I feel like you just have a real reverence for both like instant institutionally approved like great artists and also like mainstream like content creators that are usually like shit on for their like amount of like popularity that they've received. Um, and so do you like do you value these people for similar reasons and do you group them together for similar reasons? 
Yeah, I think that artists and celebrities have this place in culture where they're um, seen as gods. And I think especially in such a secular time, celebrity, people turn to celebrities for guidance about every aspect of their lives. That's why we have things like Goop now, you know, mm-hmm. like Gwyneth Paltrow's advising people on like how to eat, which I guess has always been kind of a part of celebrity culture. But it's very pres- – like people really look – to influencers more than they'd admit it Mm. or the media in general for guidance on how to live their lives. So I just kind of also look to the media in that way. But I also look at like, what is, what are these people telling us? Like, what are the archetypes that they represent that have Mm. existed for thousands of years? And an archetype I'm really interested in is the anti-hero. So someone that's like not the villain because they're not purely evil. They have redeemable qualities, but they are disliked and not rooted for, but, end up winning at the end of the day, like Logan Paul. He's a classic anti-hero. So those are, I just kind of, I really am interested in like villains, anti-heroes, people that are maligned, not necessarily given, um, celebrated, because I think those are often the most interesting people. <laughs> and like, I'm not looking at media for guidance in my life. Like I, I think I'm pretty confident in myself to make decisions for myself. I really want to look at like what the, what are these symbols that are being shown mm. to us and like who are who are the people creating leading these messages and I think a lot of the time the people that are really ahead of the curve are the villains or the anti-heroes that innovate before anyone else does and then in the future everyone's like oh that person <laughs> like they were doing that 10 years ago and now everyone's doing it like mm. I don't know, like the way Celeste, like Doja Cat, the way she's dressing now, it's like she couldn't have done that if it wasn't for Lady Gaga getting made fun of all mm. of the 2010s. You know, it's like things that are seen in culture as being bad by the general public. I'm usually like, oh, my God, what's good here? Yeah. <laughs> like, I want to know because it's probably what's going to happen next. Do you consider yourself an antihero? Because I think oh, that's wow. an interesting archetype <laughs> to resonate with. Um. I think I see myself as the villain sometimes. Yeah. (laughs) Like I think I'm in touch with my villainous side. And I think that I don't really like, I think most everyone has that shadow self that we Mm. ignore. And I think because like, um, I'm like, (laughs) I don't know. I'm crazy. (laughs) Like I definitely like have had to like go to lots of therapy to like work on myself. Like I, I've encountered my villainous side and I, admire it and use it as a creative force so I guess I am kind of an anti-hero in that like no one's really given me a lot of opportunities like this podcast for example Mm -hmm. no one told me or wanted me to do this (laughs) (laughs) or is like helping me besides Romy and Anna shout out them (laughs) but um it's it's you know it's my mission it's Mm -hmm. so I guess I do yeah I do resonate with an anti-hero I'd love to be an (laughs) (laughs) anti-hero I mean I think it 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 bears a lot of similarities to, like, like. I think, one, you're, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to talk about it, but your past as a horse girl, mm-hmm. I think, kind of positioned you as an anti-hero for, like, since you were a, a youngin. Like. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah, no, I think that, like, being a horse girl, I think it's um, one of those things where, like, you're not treated well as a child. <laughs> like, you're working a lot, like. I don't know if anyone else is a horse girl out there, but like a horse summer camp is essentially like free child labor. So like <laughs> your parents send you off and you get to ride horses, but you're also like cleaning. Like I remember like being 10 years old and having to like clean, like wake up at 6am and clean a whole barn. And like, mm. whoa, like, <laughs> like, and I like, wasn't, I went to this like horse camp in Vermont and I was really young and I just ate like I was also like a super picky eater. So I only ate like whipped cream and clovers for four (laughs) weeks and didn't shower. So I was like super dirty and like bullied and like cleaning horse shit all day. So I think that like humblingness of like just constantly like um, being like subservient to this other animal, like in horse world, the horse always comes first. Like you're never allowed to blame the horse if you fall off. Like as the rider, you're responsible. Like. And that was kind of the mentality I was brought up in with horses. And so I guess as an artist, I kind of have that same mentality is like, I don't blame the world for not like validating my art. I only blame myself for not working hard enough. And, um, I think that 
that mentality of just like not being defeated by things, <laughs> like mm. just not letting things defeat you, like whether it's like mucking a stall or like having a podcast, like those you're the only one that's going to be able to get it done at the end of the day. Mm. <laughs> and um, I think I just have always tried my hardest and wanted to do well and be accepted. <laughs> <laughs> and you succeeded. I hope so. Yeah. Um, you also went to art school and I yeah. feel like you, again, like you're talking about antiheroes and how like they are disliked in their time, but then like eventually people like come around and realize like the merit and like, I don't know, the correctness of the antihero all along. Um, and I feel like your existence to me kind of like foretells this like micro celebrity culture that we live in, <laughs> in which like like everyone is like, I don't know, in such a specific niche because they want to be an individual. And then by like putting up like photos of like celebrities or just like, like icons you're kind of like rebelling against this is like I don't know yeah hyper specific niche meme culture that we have going on yeah I think I I just like I'm over people being like cool like mm -hmm. <laughs> like I don't I don't think that um I think the really freaky shit is the stuff that's like right in front of us you know like I think that like the freakiest things are like things that government's probably doing <laughs> like I don't think that the re I think right now especially with art um and the internet it's almost like the mainstream has become the niches mm. and I think to like be normal or like be interested exactly. in like kind of trad like I'm really into kind of like bro content like <laughs> <laughs> and like hype beast stuff yes and I think that I think it's just like I'm into what I'm into and I go through phases, but at the end of the day, I'm going to post the stuff I'm interested in. And I think everyone should do, if they're really into a niche, like that doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. I think pursue your niche, but just like go hard at it, you know? That's like something that, that fascinates me about you. And like what I wanted, another thing I wanted to talk about, because I feel like you're simultaneously like an insider and an outsider. And I think your character like contains a lot of like dualities and rather than it being contradictions it's just nuance um and one I'm particularly interested in that you just mentioned is that you're a very pretty girl with a very <laughs> like 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 cute kitsch aesthetic but also I think there lives inside of you <laughs> this shadow self Joe Rogan <laughs> Napoleon <laughs> Opium <laughs> Kanye um yeah like alter ego yeah how do you reconcile the two well, I feel like I've always just had this, like, boy in me. Like, I just love boy stuff. Like, I was obsessed with the Yankees growing up and um, baseball. Like, I used to imagine that I was the first girl Yankee. And I had, like, a pink uniform. And they all had, like, their traditional blue uniforms. And, like, I'd go up to bat and be like, oh. And then I'd go back, but like Derek Jeter would be like, nice job. Like they'd all be really happy with me. Um, they would. They totally would. <laughs> and I don't know. I think, and I, during that time when I was a kid, I only wore like boys clothing. And then I think as I got older, I just, as an artist, it's like there has, like there's Frida Kahlo, there's Georgia O'Keeffe, but there's not like an Andy Warhol level. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, there's Barbara Kruger, but there's not like someone that's like as famous as Andy Warhol that's also a woman you know yeah. and I want like what the boys have like mm. I want to be like girl Joe Rogan girl Andy Warhol <laughs> like I want to get to that level mm. and I think that we live in a time now where women are able to get to that level as artists and the only thing that stops us is our own self-doubt Totally. because I think that's what stopped me for so long and like making the art that I wanted to make I was like no one's going to be interested in it because it's like pride or like I don't know if anyone understands my perspective or like cares, but if you just make the work, people eventually will, or they won't care. And it doesn't matter because that's all you can do is make your art. Well, I have so many things to go off of that, but I'll just tell you something I think about personally. And you tell me like, cause I'm curious if my like opinion is just like internalized misogyny, like secretly. Um, I think, like, a lot of female artists, like, can't reach the level of, like, Andy Kaufman, et cetera, Kaufman, because 
by constantly acknowledging that they're like a female artist or by maybe the media dismissing them as like female artists rather than just artists they're constantly like relegated to like like sub yeah sub and that's like kind of like not my issue but like an issue with feminism like by acknowledging that like the sexes are are different you're reminding people that like that men are not that they are but like you know like yeah the ideology that they're superior well and i think that's like one of the things that is hard is like i like for example like we're both part of like content warriors which is like my secret society (laughs) which is all women but it's not like it just happened to be like i just would rather work with all women and um it's not like a feminist thing i just like communicate better you know Mm -hmm. and like i think that yeah i do think like making a big deal out of the fact that things are female doesn't help and just kind of like almost limits like what they can be and what like art by women should be because if you're saying like this is art like these are women artists then like I I just don't feel like my art fits in with that (laughs) like I just don't see my like when I see those group shows or whatever those retrospectives and I I love the work and there's so many amazing female artists that I look up to um I just think that it, it is a shame that we have to separate their work and show them in like group shows together and not just like and make a big deal like can't we just show art because it's good <laughs> problematic exhibit yeah um, oh my god <laughs> well trisha paytas is is someone that you admire yeah i think someone that you like would fit this description of like she is like and she's not trying to hide it like she's she, her content is for the girls and the gays but she takes on so many characters mm-hmm. that like her being a woman is like like it's part of it but like it she she like crop like Actually, like, I don't know if, if she's, she's non-binary also, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think Trisha is just such a big role model because she just, like, she goes for it and she doesn't let anyone stop her. Mm-hmm. Like, no one's ever, like, Trisha is such an example of an anti-hero because no one's ever supported what she's doing. Mm-hmm. No one's ever funded it. She's just made the money from her <laughs> videos trolling mm-hmm. to fund her, like, epic music videos. <laughs> like, it's, like, peak, like, villain narrative. Like... And I mean, like her videos that first popped off were these her repeating Andy Kaufman monologues where mm. they were like all about like how women should be in the kitchen and all this oh, stuff. That. And that's actually how I found her because I was like super Tumblr feminist. And I was like, found this video that was like, this woman hates woman. And I watched it, it was <laughs> Trisha Paytas. And I was like, oh my God, this is so upsetting. <laughs> and then I like showed my friend and she was like, oh my God. And then I was like, but wait, I kind of like her. <laughs> and then I just like, could not stop this was probably like 2013 and then I just became like obsessed with her and um I made a lot of art about her at RISD and <laughs> if you want to come on the podcast Trisha <laughs> come through but yeah I love her and I think she does so well it's just she makes her art you know mm. she doesn't let anyone stop her or tell her that it's not art or tell her anything and I think she's finally getting the recognition she deserves yeah. as an artist because she's incredible I think like her relationship with Moses is like so like wholesome to me and like particularly wholesome to me because he has like an obsession with water and I feel like Trisha's like water in which like she will fill up any shape you give her like (laughs) like she's just a vessel bro (laughs) and you're just a vessel bro (laughs) speaking of Trisha um this is I was gonna save this for later but I want to know the story behind the Trisha tattoo because I feel like that's (laughs) legendary real 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 lore (laughs) So I have, I will put the picture in here, but I have a tattoo of um, Trisha that was done by Dean Valente, I think is how you say his name. Um, And I got it during the pandemic with my stimulus check. (laughs) Shout out Donald Trump. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) But yeah, I took that money and I went and got this tattoo. And the story is it's an image Trisha modeled for this lingerie company when she was 19 called Pipeline Dreams. And the image just comes from one of those lingerie shoots and I'd like to maybe get another one of the same tattoo, like on my arm, like a smaller mini Trisha. <laughs> um, but yeah, I love like celebrity, celebrity tattoos, tattoos of celebrities and ce- tattoos that celebrities have. I have two set, ta- I have th- three or four celebrity related tattoos. I have this one, which is Gabby mm, D. Martinez. Oh, and then I have. Anna Nicole Smith's initials. I didn't know that one. And then on my stomach, I have Justin. Be- I have one of Justin Bieber's <laughs> tattoos. It says purpose. Um, 
yeah, that he had on his stomach that he got for the purpose era. <laughs> and the day after I got the purpose tattoo, uh, part of my house collapsed, <gasps> which was crazy. Dude, was- did you find meaning in that? Yeah, I was like, am I is my purpose being like recalibrated? <laughs> I was like, I guess I'm not my purpose was not to live here. Um, but yeah. Well, that's beautiful. But I'd like to get more tattoos. So celebrity tattoos. If we consider Trisha an artist, mm-hmm. do you consider posting art? Yes, definitely. I think that posting is I think posting should be looked at more as art mm. by the people doing it because I think it would give people they'd have more fun doing it mm. if they thought saw it as art. Cause I think part of why social media addiction is so damaging is that it, you lose your ability to contribute to society. And I think that if you see posting as art, you can contribute on like to the online world, the anima mm. world, which I think is in a way that's different and kind of gives people like a way out like when you see a post that's not about what all the other posts are about Uh it gives you like it kind of like shakes you a little I feel like that's how I always feel I'm like what did I just see and I think (laughs) I hope that like the posts I make kind of shake people a little and make Mm. them think differently because I think there's so many opinions online that are the same Mm. and I really just want people to like see my account and have them give them hope that they can be themselves and have fun. I totally agree. And I think there's like such a crisis of like individuality in which everyone wants to be an individual and is doing so in the exact same ways. And by using social, like in theory, social media is like, could be like so utopian. Like, it's yeah. like, and I think that's like originally like how people framed like the internet, like, you can be anything you want to be. You can post anything you want. Like you're given like a freedom to to share with others on a scale like never before possible. Um, and then why would you use that platform to just only consume the most depressing shit all the time and not post anything for like for yourself to express yourself? Like I don't know to establish your own like personhood. Yeah, and I think that a lot of people get caught up in their lived identities thinking that they have to have those online Mm. it's I think for me one of the biggest ways of creating positive change in my like relationship to social media was uh creating a new account starting from zero Instagram actually rewards new accounts and will help push your account so it's helpful to have a new account Mm. um but really kind of starting a new identity and not following maybe some people you know but like really just have fun like enjoy the feed like don't if, if you're spending like over an hour a day on Instagram and it's and you're unhappy like there's like there's a great app called Opal that I like tell everyone <laughs> about please sponsor but um, Opal helps you limit your social media use and I found it super helpful to really be intentional with my time on Instagram um, but it's if you change your algorithm if you start a new account if you start following new accounts that are related to things you're interested in in real life and not just like people that you're jealous of Mm. it it can just make such a big difference in your day-to-day life if you're spending time online well I think you're one of like the few people I know who knows like so much of what's going on online and also like still at the end of the day touches grass and is like very in (laughs) tune with nature (laughs) um like yeah, like, I mean, I guess you Opal is, like, something that helps you, like, balance it. But I feel like there's, like, something, like, spiritually that allows you to, like, interact with both realms and, like, like know your limits with, with the online and to appreciate, like, nature. And, like, where do you think that comes from? I think that's, like, a newer balance that's been added to my life. I think there was many years where I was, like, in my apartment all day long, like, not going outside. So, like, I've been there I've been that depressed like not getting out of bed for days like really sad so I think it comes from really just not wanting to be in that place again I think I feel like I have like a purpose in life and that purpose is to spread joy to other people and I want to use my life to do that and I don't want to waste my life so I think that's where it comes from is like a motivation but also just like the people around me Mm. like my partner Jeff I think is like I really love spending time with him like I don't want to be like so depressed and on my phone all the time that I can't you know enjoy this amazing person in my life or Mm. 
um, just, I think it can take you out of, of life. And I, and I've been there. So I think that's why I have to have that balance is cause I need it or I will be in bed all day. Like, <laughs> like it's, it's like a real, like, that's why I think online, it seems like my life is so perfect, but I'm really not perfect. <laughs> like, I have the same struggles as everyone. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm just 28. It gets better. <laughs> I feel like, um, a big reason why, like, there's a lot of spirituality related content online and like the, both like in the trad sense, which is like, like I'm going to drink only like raw milk and pray to God like all the time. Um, and like in the ironic, like based retard gang. And it's like, just like people are so like depressed and they, there's so much like meaninglessness online that they want there to be like some like higher power, like on the internet that they can like pray to essentially mm-hmm. with their posts do you think that's like ultimately a good or a bad thing? Well, I think the internet itself is like a higher power. Like I think mm-hmm. it's a collective unconscious like spirit that we all share because we're all engaging with it mentally all the time, which means that it is an energetic force aside from it being like a real physical thing. Like the internet is like servers and stuff like that. But there is, I think this like subconscious space that occupies in so many of our lives, which does that, I mean, if we're all thinking about it all the time, we're thinking about what we're going to post, thinking about what we've seen, we're all kind of engaging in this like other world really. Mm. And so I think it would make sense to me that in that other world, there would be gods and goddesses just as like mm. on earth there are got like True. we have false idols. I don't know. I love Greek mythology. <laughs> I think Greek mythology is something I think about a lot. Um, but like, maybe like based retard gang represents like Dionysus, like (laughs) God of like kind of like a jovial God of like party and leisure. And then maybe there's like the more pious, like Hephaestus, like the, (laughs) I don't know, would be like, maybe she, that's like the gym girly is like, Mm. I guess Hephaestus wouldn't be a good one because he's like ugly man making (laughs) iron, but like maybe like Persephone. I don't know. There's just like all these parallels, like goddess of love. Like there's like different, things like the muses that speak to us online but I think at the end of the day really for me like getting just having gratitude for daily life like I try to pray like every morning even if you don't believe in God just like gratitude for the day that you're about to like gratitude just for the being alive that day I think is something that I try to ground myself in because I think there's so many things trying to like distract us Mm -hmm. these days that really just having that like waking up and just thanking God for the day or whoever you believe in can really help you like further into the day, just not feel so hopeless. (laughs) When did you start getting into, like, did you ever have like, like a spiritual experience, like, like defined, like, and that caused you to think this way or like, how did did you always feel this way? Yeah, I think I had like a pretty like big spiritual like awakening about like a year ago where I got like much more into like prayer and um kind of started I went to <laughs> a Justin Bieber concert. <laughs> and I, a, I think I was like into God before then, but I think that experience was like really transcendent because all the girls there had been these fans of Justin since they were children. And now Mm. we were all meeting in like our mid to late twenties, early thirties. And like, I just felt the spirits of them like come out and like, we were all just like these, I felt like, um, ribbons of pink light. Uh And it was like a very like hallucinogenic experience. And I feel like that really like, that was like about a year ago. And that really shifted my perspective. I also started doing acupuncture, which I feel Mm. like got me more in touch with my body. Um, but I think, yeah, I think religion for me, it's, I don't really, I guess I don't really prescribe to any religion. I just kind of like pray it's to just like a universal God, like the creator nature. It's like all the same thing to me, but I guess that for me really was like a year ago. And I think it was just like, I was looking for more purpose in life and I felt pretty directionless. Um, and I felt pretty lonely and I think I just started praying kind of out of that I'd always had prayed growing up I pray like I grew up Jewish and I pray in synagogue but prayer isn't really like as talked about in Judaism or at least Mm -hmm. in my temple so I didn't really I always kind of mentally did it but I think when I started doing it more intentionally I started seeing more like changes in my life I guess not like 
things started happening for me. But I mean, they kind of did because I started believing myself or just being, I think gratitude is just such an important thing to base your life in. That's really beautiful. And I like that. Yeah. Like it ultimately, it goes down to like whatever that higher power is. It's like a higher power. And you were talking before about like celebrities being used as like prophets and dictating our lives. Um, which I'm going to subtly use to transition (laughs) to your art incorporates like your like visual art incorporates celebrities like Little Pump, Lil Pump, um, Jake Paul. Why do you feel important to or maybe it's not important, but like why, why why do they come up in your art? I think they're like strong carriers of symbols. Like I think Lil Pump is like (laughs) really interesting and that he's really good at like reducing language, like Mm. Gucci gang. It's like he says (laughs) Gucci gang 200 times. And I think to be able to simplify things is not something that people value enough, but it's actually probably one of the most important things in art Mm. is the simplification. And, um, I think Jake Paul also is a good simplifier. I think he's really good at, his problem child logo is black and white. You know, it's like he has this ability to be such a villain, which I love. And um, he uses symbols a lot. Like he rides into his press conference on a horse (laughs) or a tank and he works with like Whistling Diesel, who's like an awesome YouTuber to do that. He, um, his whole career in boxing, I think is so exemplary of like, it's so mimetic and symbol based Mm. and just like him transitioning to being a boxer is really interesting and has brought like a whole new attention to the sport. So I think I'm really interested in people that like change that are like groundbreaking and like a way that people don't really give credit for, Mm. or like, I guess that I'm just interested in, like I love music and I love rap and that's why I like little pump. Cause he makes like, (laughs) I love like kind of dumb, like, I don't know. He just makes like dumb, good music. And mm. I love Jake Paul because he makes dumb, good content. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know how to articulate this, but I really feel like you are ahead of our time. And when you talk about like Lil Pump, I'm thinking also about like Cardi, how we like, like people who like prefer old Cardi, like when he had like more mm-hmm. like structured flows and like now it's just like, it's very like trance like, <laughs> yeah, like, um, and I think kind of what you're describing, it reminds me of like the evolution of like modern art, like starting <laughs> with like the Renaissance and then like going, moving towards like flatness and like abstract shapes and just like a simplification and condensation of everything into like onto the page. So I think you're kind of like inventing, <laughs> like you've like literally invented like a new movement that like Whoa. parallels history. I don't know. <laughs> Damn, Romy. <laughs> That'd be cool. <laughs> um, but I want to talk more about your art, actually. I'm really, like, invested in you as an artist. Um, and I think you use so much, like, your your art is not just your painting or your posting. Like, you, you have, like, social media is a, is a medium for you. Um, so is painting. So is film. So is, in, like, um, you, like, ready-made and sculptures. Like, you there's a lot of like materials that go into (laughs) your work. Is that intentional? Um, yeah, I think so. I think I've always been really interested in just like, I, there's a lot of things I like to make. And so I think art school and the art world in general tries to limit what an artist can and can't make. And I mean, even when you're in school, you have to choose a major. And that was so hard for me because I like wanted to do sculpture and I ended up in film because I thought I could do the most in film. Like I thought I could do kind of like installation art, which people don't tell you in art school isn't real. <laughs> like there's no <laughs> professional installation artist or I haven't met any yet. <laughs> I don't know. That's like not a real career path. If anyone's <laughs> curious, most people probably know that, but um, I didn't know that. So. Me neither. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I just like, I don't know. I, I've always really liked making things that are fully experiential mm. and I love video I love sculpture. I like painting. I don't know. I just like to make all this stuff. Mm. So I'm like, I just got to make it. (laughs) I don't know. But I love machines. Like I love, I just love seeing the world around me and putting it in my art and just finding things I like Mm. and then putting them together. I think that's why I like, I think most of my work at the end of the day is just collage. Mm -hmm. Like I think all of it goes down to just being collage and my sculptures are collages, my paintings are collages, my podcast, my posts. It's yeah. all just kind of like putting two things next to each other and then you find a new meaning. Mm. 
I love that. I think it's also so satisfying to know you as a person because your like physical apartment matches so much like what your online aesthetic is like I feel like your brain is just like a collection of trinkets and it like <laughs> manifests in like genuinely everything you do um yeah I love that about you <laughs> yeah I, I love trinkets I love having like little things around I think it's nice I think it I, I don't know I, I was actually Jeff um brought this up recently but like I had a fish tank growing up in my room mm. when from like when I was six to nine and I feel like having all those fish look at me has made me always want like eyes around me because <laughs> I have so many like stuffed animals and toys and like things like there's so Ooh. many eyes in my apartment huh. if you come over um I think I just really like an audience <laughs> <laughs> that's so interesting I've never thought about that before yeah did, did you have a favorite um like stuffed animal or like toy growing up Oh my God. Yeah. I had, I had a security blanket for a long time. I think longer than I should have named Maki, um, that I carried around with me everywhere. And then I had a stuffed bear named flat Teddy. That was like my first stuffed animal. <laughs> was he flat? He was flat. He was flat. Um, but I had, I had a lot of toys that I was like connected to at different times. I used to collect like kid robots and stuff like mm. that, but I'm trying to think if there's another toy I really, really liked. Um, I had a toy called the Love Love that gave birth <laughs> that I was like very obsessed with and like would cover its face with wasabi. I don't know why. <laughs> I would give it like wasabi facials when my parents would get sushi. <laughs> and then I would make it give birth with the wasabi on its face. Awesome. I don't know. I just did like a lot of weird shit as a kid. Like one time I covered myself in shaving cream <laughs> just because I wanted to know what it looked like. Do you feel like growing up in New York City like helped preserve your inner child or like... Because I feel like you have such a rich one, but also growing up here sounds like you have like you're forced to mature really fast. I think that's why like I am so in touch with it as an adult because I don't think I got to have like necessarily like a traditional childhood because you're mm -hmm. kind of like a professional child or like that's how it felt at least like mm -hmm. you have to like do all this like applications for schools like from when you're like five and then again when you're 12 and you kind of have to like when I was 12 I had to like decide what I wanted to do it felt like like if one with what high school I was going to like I went to an arts high school so I had like a portfolio I was doing like live model drawing when I was like 12 like oh. there was a lot of pressure yeah. I was and I was also like competing at like a pretty high level like horseback riding at the time so like I feel like um being kind of like I wasn't like a child prodigy because I wasn't that good but I was also working like really hard at things that like mm. I, I just don't think I like I didn't get to really just like play a lot of the time like a lot of my time was really structured so I think as I got older I just I think art became that place where I could play and I wanted to play you know and I think also like growing up in New York after 9-11 was like a very scary time like mm. I think that there I, I do think in a way like kind of there's like a big lot like 9-11 happened when I was six and I used to live downtown and then we moved up so I just felt like very it was really freaky for me so I think I kind of like retreated into my own inner world mm -hmm. and I think I kind of never left that inner world <laughs> and I mean 9-11 is also kind of the reason why you created the the war show right yeah I mean kind of yeah I think war, like war was a show I did a drama gallery and I think I guess like 9-11 was kind of in the background. I think War came from Kanye's like unreleased album is called mm. War. So that's where I got the name from. But more just kind of like the idea of like information war was more of the concept. But I mean, I think 9-11 is a big part of like the information war. So hmm. how do you keep your like inner child alive? Like what toys do you think you're playing with as an adult? Oh, um, how do you keep your inner child alive? There's a lot of things you can do. I think one of them is just like being curious about things like really like questioning everything exploring everything trying things trying things you wouldn't normally do um trying things that you're afraid of or whatever um I think really just looking at like a leaf and like thinking about that leaf's life or like Aww. like thinking about like a squirrel you see in the park like what are they thinking you know like really kind of being curious and I think that's what kids are is like they're always trying to eat things and touch mm. things and look at <laughs> things and um, also I think it's really important to treat yourself like a child like do things that like give yourself enriching activities like mm. you know like take yourself like if you were a kid like what would if you were your own kid what would you do for that kid? Yeah. 
like you'd put it in like a martial arts class you would you would feed it vegetables you would feed it vegetables <laughs> like you'd make it drink milk sometimes mm-hmm. or like I just try to take care of myself and like I don't always do a great job but I'm trying <laughs> that's like I think what you're talking about is like like keeping your inner child alive um a lot of millennials try the Brad Trommel talks about this like a lot of millennials are I think infantilize themselves because they don't want to deal with the reality of growing up. Mm-hmm. But your approach sounds like far more mature because you're not trying to, like you're not acting like a baby online. Like you're not <laughs> doing like a, like a cutesy voice or anything. You're like, you're parenting yourself, which is like, oh shit. Like, in, yeah, inherently like more like responsible. Yeah. I think parenting yourself is a good way of putting it. I think like, um, Doing the things that you wish you had done as a child for yourself as an adult doesn't mean just like, doesn't mean like paint, like also I think like I don't drink, but like, or I don't really drink. And I think not having like a lot of activities around drinking in my life has helped Mm. me like just have like a healthier relationship with myself. Like I think alcohol can make you feel like, it made me feel really insecure for a long time. So I think cutting that, reducing that reducing things that I made me feel insecure Mm. I still have to do them sometimes like go to art openings but (laughs) um, I try to like lessen the blow by like getting food with my friends afterwards Mm. or just adding things you enjoy to your life like if something's not bringing you joy find something that is and if if you have to do it then do it but if you don't have to do it like don't Mm. make yourself go to that club if you don't want to go to that club like it's okay to stay home I'm very like into staying home Mm. (laughs) I stay home a lot (laughs) do you think it's like how do you balance like intuition and discipline because like Mm. I don't know I I feel like for someone who's like who wants to stay home like uh, like telling yourself it's okay to to stay home is like like a good thing but if you're like constantly like restless like you want to party all the time and you're it's preventing you from like doing your work like how should one go about that I think the key to shifting a behavior is adding in something that you enjoy Mm. just as much as that behavior. So like if you are really, you're going out all the time, you're going, like once you start going out, it's really hard to break the loop of going out. Like you kind of, once you're in the mix of like going out every weekend or like going to art openings every week or whatever, it's like hard to be like, I'm going to stop now. Mm. Like that's been the hardest for me is like once you get in the flow, it kind of never ends. So I think just like, for me, what's helped is like having a calendar of the month and mm-hmm. just like making sure on that calendar, like are things that I know I have to do to take care of myself, like therapy, acupuncture, walks, <laughs> like those are the things that I schedule. I don't just schedule like art openings or like things that stress me out, like make sure like that there's days when I have nothing on those days. Like, so I think it's all about just finding balance and I think adding discipline to your life in any measure will help you with that. Um, I think discipline is a really hard thing, but it's really important if you want to be successful as an artist and people don't, I think, talk about that enough that like mm. you need to have like really strict discipline with your work, um, with just making the work, not putting it out there. I think having discipline with putting it out there can sometimes hurt you as an artist if you're not ready for it. Like mm. maybe keep that work to yourself, but just keep working on what you want to do and make time for that. And don't just make time for other people. Because I think you can't make other people your higher power. Like, if the club is your higher power, then at the end of the day, you're going to, like, be pretty depressed. Mm. But, like, I think that it could be your higher power, too, and that could be a positive thing. But it just depends on, like, your relationship to it. And um, I think also if you are enjoying it. Mm. If If there's no joy left in it, then why keep doing it? you know, (laughs) add something else that you enjoy to your life. If you really don't want to keep going out, then stop, like stop and just find something else that night that like would make you not feel like a loser, you know, Mm. like going, like for me, like I really like going to concerts or like, um, like I like finding like an event that I really want to go to and like waiting for that or like anticipating that, like I'm going to go see Travis Scott and I'm super excited. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm like waiting for that Travis Scott concert. And you're waiting for the Kanye album. Yeah. Ugh, if that's, that's ever going to come. I don't know if that's going to come anytime <laughs> soon, but hopefully I was anticipating that. That's, that was maybe I was anticipating it too much. I was mm. too excited. <laughs> Again, it goes back to like celebrity as profit, like like waiting for Kanye to return, like waiting for like 
I don't know, the message to arrive. Yeah, I think that like you can't always sit there and wait for it to arrive. I think that like a lot of the time you have to make it like there's no I think this is like an everything in life. Like there's no one that's going to give you that opportunity mm. that's going to change your life. Only you are going to give yourself that opportunity mm. by putting yourself out there and then maybe a opportunity will come to you. But I think that like looking to other people, I can get caught up in being obsessional. Like it's not positive always in my life <laughs> like I think there's a lot of negative obsessions I've had um but I, I am an obsessional person that's what makes you an artist <laughs> yeah I think yeah for someone who's like so incredibly like self-reliant you also like really cultivate like networks of people you you link yeah. and you build I would never call myself self-reliant <laughs> but I really like that you said that <laughs> I, think. I think I depend a lot on you know especially my partner but mm -hmm. um I try. I'm trying to be, I, I'm glad I appear that way, but I'm like, <laughs> for sure not. <laughs> well, tell me more about like working with like other people because we know each other because we have like met online and decided to collaborate essentially. So um, I've had a lot of really amazing creative collaborations in my life. Um, working with you has been amazing we yeah. met and Romy's really helped me like find this podcast and figure out what it is and then Anna who edits it I went to RISD with and she's an incredible artist um and very kindly edits the podcast and has made really cool animations for it and working with her is great because I completely trust her judgment and I everything she does is just like perfect so it's <laughs> awesome <laughs> um and then also, I think working with people is really cool. Like, I really, I was telling Jeff this, like, I really like that we started almost, like, working together first before mm -hmm. we became friends because I think it um, can be good to have, like, your friendships and then, like, friendships that, like, I love working with my friends. Like, Anna, I work with my friend Clara. We um, did merch for the war sh show together. We are working on some narrative merch. Um, my partner Jeff and I, like, collaborate together all the time. I mean, we almost work too much because we both have studios in our apartment so I think we're always in a way like collaborating like whether it's not like we've worked on zines together and pop-ups and shows but um also just like physically like we just talking about art yeah. I think it's really good to have like one person you can show your work to and like they can just give you a little like thumbs up like I think that can really go a long way mm -hmm. or someone uh people that are around you that inspire you to make work mm. Um, I think that's important. Totally. I think also like what you're doing with like, um, narrative navigation, content warriors is like kind of creating like an ensemble that it's both like, it reminds me of like both like an artist collective and like a content house. Mm -hmm. what, what do you think guys, like, are you more inspired by like, like, yeah, like artist movements or like artist groups or by the the structure of like of content houses. I think like probably pretty equally both. I mean, I think I'm pretty um, inspired by especially like art movements that like the art movement that was happening in New York in the 50s. I think is something I've been really interested in recently. Rauschenberg, Jasper Johns, um, Cage, Cunningham, like that group of artists and kind of the happenings they were having and the. Um, spirit they were able to cultivate and how transcendent it's been for the past 50 years or 70 years actually in New York um I'm really interested in there's another group um a European group called the independent group that was making mm -hmm. work or that was they would like get together and have these lectures on different topics um in like popular like that were like science they'd have like a sign like a motorcycle scientist come in and like talk about the design of motorcycles but two artists like it was all about like what was going on in the world but like artists were engaging with it so it was like a modern pop culture it was like an early pop art think tank um and then content warriors came out of mr beast has this <laughs> had this group called mega masterminds or like mastermind group and he would meet every day for like hours on zoom with this group of creators and all of them went on to have like million channel million fault subscriber channels and they would work together and just like analyze what works what doesn't blah, blah blah and so I was like okay like 
how can I mimic that? Mm. And how can I build people that will want to work with me on? Cause I knew I couldn't do like what I wanted on social media or in art on my own. Like you need more than one person like to have a movement can't just be. And I think yeah. right now in art, everything is like so individual based. Mm. It's like you have your, you, you're in a group show and then you have a solo show and then you're in a two person show and then you, but it's not like any of those people's work has to, they don't have to be making work together. They don't have to know each other. It's just like so random. Yeah. And like, I really was like, oh, I want, like, I know what I want to do now. And it's very specific. Mm-hmm. And I just want to find people that are interested in helping me. And this is all just for fun, you know, like hopefully this goes somewhere, but really I just want to work with people that like, are excited about life and making cool content and experimenting with what content can be and pushing the boundaries. And so when I started Content Warriors, I just did like a Google form and kind of like asked questions and based on people's answers, I was like, oh, okay, I know which people like I think I could probably work with. Um, But I think I've always just been open to working with a lot of different kinds of people. I've had a lot of different jobs. I'm pretty patient with people. um, I try to be and I want to, I want to, there's always something you can learn from someone else, you know, like two people in a room coming up with ideas is so much better than one person. Mm. <laughs> and a, like two people can become three people, four people, five people. Six, like that, like ideas just spread once you like have the unity of two minds. And I really just love talking to people because it helps me think. <laughs> and it's kind of how I think I don't, I try not to get too in my head because that's where you kind of get into the weeds. Mm. It's better to talk things out with someone. So true. I think you like lack the like ego and like cynicism that seems like very like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't even think it's specific to, to this generation. I was going to say like kind of the opposite. I think you're willing to engage your willingness to engage seriously with like like Mr. Beast strategy and also like 1950s like American like New York artists like shows like a real commitment to creation and like that propels you far like more forward than like I don't know just being like yeah things used to be good they suck now and like just sitting in that yeah I think everything is always happening all at once Mm -hmm. and I think that's my favorite artists like Andy Warhol Marcel Duchamp were really people that like saw the full spectrum of what life was Mm -hmm. and saw symbols and everything and I really love Duchamp's. I mean, Duchamp is like a huge inspiration for me. Um, His work has really, and he worked in like every medium, did everything, tried everything, was super into technology. And I think that's how I feel. Like I just want to use all of the things that I can use. And I think like ego is such a big part of why a lot of people become artists. And I'd be lying if I said I didn't like want attention like I obviously love attention (laughs) like I wouldn't be like on this podcast if I didn't want people to look at me um but yeah my Leo moon is strong (laughs) but (laughs) yeah yeah um (laughs) and I feel like it I think there's a difference between wanting attention and like being feeling like what you have to contribute is better than everyone else's. Like, I think I want attention and I know that, but I also think that everyone's opinions are valid. Mm. But I think a lot of people want attention because they don't think other people are right and they're right. And I think that that's a reason why a lot of people sometimes will make art and it's misdirected because it's the art is supposed to make other people feel like they're a part, like they can join in, Mm. you know, like the art I like, like, Josh Smith's paintings of the Grim Reaper, like a five-year-old and an 80-year-old can equally enjoy those paintings, you know? Art is meant to invite people in and I I just want to invite people in. (laughs) (laughs) Do you feel like you're part of like an existent art movement? Like, do you see like the scene that's happening right now as like, like, I don't know, a a scene that will be remembered in history? I really hope so. I mean, (laughs) that's why I'm putting in all this work. (laughs) But um, yeah, I really think that like, especially what we're doing at, or like what Nick has done at Drama Gallery Gallery and the shows that I've been able to be a part of there have been really cool. And I think that the people there, like I see us as a movement. I see a lot of artists that are in New York right now are all part of different movements that are historically significant. Like, I mean, like the Shelley Oktar show at King's Leap right now is like historically significant for trans artists. There's a lot of like really interesting stuff that's happening in New York right now. Mm-hmm. I think it's just 
Um, and there's a lot of interesting artists that are in New York right now. And I think it's all about us just getting together and making something of it and not mm-hmm. letting like, I mean, like in the 2000s, there's a huge painting movement in Williamsburg. Um, I think right now it's just people are so fractionalized and focused on their individual strategy or like there's not really as much of a thought to like a collective, but I think the more a group of friends continues to show, the better it is for everyone in that group. So I think the more any of my friends continue to show, the better it yeah. is for me. I mean, that's selfishly why I did war. It's like to group of people art of artists together and then to associate yourself with that group of artists. Mm-hmm. Like, I think just making smart moves will create that group. But I, I do think about that a lot. You know, I think about that with like decisions I make. Do you think that, like, like, I don't know, I feel like there's kind of, like, this, like, self-flagellation like of this generation. It's, like, we, be, and it's really tied to the internet. It's, like, because we grew up with technology, like, things are, or, I don't know, like, things are worse now, and it's either because of, like, the generation that, like, led us or because our own, like, incompetence since, like, being introduced to new technology. Um, do you think, like, do you see... Do you agree with that at all? No, I I feel like we're living in like utopia times. (laughs) Like I think we're living in a time where, you know, there's like one of my favorite, like a good Kanye quote I like is like, um, in the future we thought there'd be flying rock, like flying cars, Mm -hmm. but really like what the future is, is that you can send a movie in two minutes, you know, Mm -hmm. like that's our future is that we have access to all this information and education so if there's anything you can't do now, you can just look it up on YouTube, you know, or Google it. And that's something that like not a, like no one else has had the power to do. So I think as an artist, it's like an incredible time because like I can make a magazine, like I can self-publish a book, like I can have this podcast. Like there used to not be platforms that had universal access to like mm. putting out long form content. Like where would I have been able to put an hour long podcast episode like even a few years ago, there wasn't really that infrastructure or audience or even cultural awareness to stuff like this, which is, I mean, anyone can have a podcast, like you really can teach yourself all this stuff. And I really encourage everyone to just continue educating yourself in whatever way, in whatever you're interested in, learn as much as you can about that, because mm. there is that access to information. And that's really the future is like, you know, you are the master of your own destiny. You can learn these things, you can build it, and people will come. If you could create, like, testopia, like, <laughs> what would you change about what we're living in? Uh, I'd get rid of cars. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have everything go back to horses. <laughs> I'm really... <laughs> That's I really would love... Good. I like cars, though. I think they're cool. I just don't have my driver's license, and I would much <laughs> prefer to get around by horse or train. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing else? <laughs> Nothing else. Awesome. Just, just, just more trains, more horses. Mm. I think a lot would be fixed, honestly. <laughs> like, actually thinking about it, like... Oh, like, yeah. Like, gas, etc. like... Right? A lot would be fixed if we had horses. Instead. It would be cool. I mean, we probably wouldn't have city, like, as we wouldn't have suburbs, but maybe that would be a good thing. Mm. We'd be like home. Like, I don't know. I don't know what would happen if we got rid of all the cars, but yeah, I'm, I, I would love if I could travel by horse <laughs> <laughs> uh, or like train. I love trains. Awesome. Can I move to some rapid fire questions? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So rapid fire question one. If you could stock a vending machine with anything, like you can just include as many items as you want, what would you include? Whoa. Okay. Um, I guess the first thing that comes to mind is I would definitely stock it with GT Dave's, uh, the like living sodas, like the colas, (laughs) like he has like a root beer and a Coke and they're made out of mushrooms. They're called, I think like life elixirs or something Mm -hmm. like that. They're my favorite things. I would stock it with that. Um, I would definitely stock it with uh, lav- organic lavender oil. <laughs> <laughs> I love lavender oil. And um, probably like these like stress relief, like little um, doctor box stress relief things <laughs> that I like. Um, dark chocolate with like, I don't know, honey. I love honey. Yeah, yeah. I love, um, I'd also probably like stock it with like a ton of like really Kuma shit or like iPods. <laughs> beautiful okay what's your idea of a perfect day okay my idea of a perfect day uh would be hanging out with jeff like going swimming somewhere i love swimming um preferably like uh in a hot spring (laughs) (laughs) i would like to go swimming in a hot spring a natural hot spring 
um, sauna, uh, eat some soup or like a tasty meal of some sort, be in nature, hang out with some animals, get to make art, smoke weed. That's that's pretty much it. <laughs> what color do you see yourself as? I see myself as like kind of like the bright green of the narrative logo. I think I kind of have a bright green energy maybe, mm. but also maybe like like purple interesting green purple what color do you see me as i see as turquoise turquoise okay yeah i got the turquoise chrome <laughs> hearts on um what was your favorite singer or band growing up oh my god hillary duff i was obsessed <laughs> with hillary duff i named my prettiest fish hillary duff like multiple of my prettiest <laughs> fishes hillary duff did you give them numbers or was it all just it's like just like hillary duff awesome <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i loved hillary duff and the jonas brothers mm. and um I was also like I don't know that was like my childhood and then I got really into like indie music and I was like super into Death Cab for Cutie I was like a really big Death Cab for Cutie fan <laughs> my eighth grade yearbook has like a Death Cab for Cutie Aww. quote it's like the head versus heart the heart always wins but the head always like I forget that one quote but yeah that's my eighth grade yearbook quote you're always ahead of it I've, I've just always been emo <laughs> <laughs> okay perfect next question what do you do when you're sad um i take a bath mm. um i go on my phone too much <laughs> um when i'm sad and i like don't know i'm sad i'll probably just like not go outside mm. and like wear my pjs all day and like be gross and not brush my hair and not my teeth but if i'm like mm. no i'm sad and i'm trying to fix it i'll like take a bath mm. and go for, go for a walk in the park good parenting yeah parent myself go to kickboxing class mm. Um, yeah, like exercise really helps a lot, even if it's just a walk. Um, dream blunt rotation. Ooh. <sighs> Damn. That's crazy. Um, <laughs> probably like Mike Tyson, <laughs> <laughs> um, like Mike Tyson, Logan Paul. But then I want like Venus Angelic. Mm. Even though I don't know if she'd smoke with me. She's more of an alcohol girly. Um, like baby Ariel. Like someone <laughs> like that. Like I, there's so many people I could put in this rotation. Grimes. Um, Trisha, but she doesn't smoke. Um, Malibu Barbie. Malibu Barbie. In the bl I, I'd put Moses in the dream blunt rotation oh, for, for sure. sure. For I'd, sure. Love, I'd love to smoke with Moses. Um, talk about water. Yeah, I guess I kind of like smoking weed alone though. Like... Mm. I don't know. I don't know if I'd like necessarily want to smoke with like people I idolize because then I'd feel like so stupid and awkward after yeah, the, the actually, blunt is like, gone. The dream is the nightmare. <laughs> um, and leaving off at, you've given like so much like really precious, like valuable advice. But if you could like leave the audience with like one final lesson, what would it be? I would say like my final lesson is just like be yourself and don't let anyone tell you what you can and can't do, especially with your art. Like don't let anyone else's thoughts influence what you do. Just like trust your own vibe and gut. Mm. That's magic. Beautiful. Thanks, Roby. Yay! <laughs> Yay.